Acts chapter 12 is where we'll be at this morning, Acts chapter 12. So if you would turn your Bibles there, Acts chapter 12. And uh, just as you are turning there, once again, Lord, we come before you this morning. We ask that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and our lives. Lord God, we don't want to just look at the Scripture and hear a few more verses, hear just another story. God, we know it's the Word of God that transforms and changes our lives with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we come before you, Lord, not just asking, but but pleading, Lord, that you would work in and through us. Lord, I pray that the thoughts that would come through this mind would be yours. Lord, that the words would be yours, that you would guide and direct in everything that is said. And Lord, I pray that every one of us in this auditorium this morning, Lord, would in unity be praying, Lord, to change each and every one of us as we hear it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would have your will and your way. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, it's kind of funny. Every week I, I give a copy of my notes to the sound booth, and sometimes they you know, put the scriptures up on the screen and kind of joke with me. So what's the title of the message this morning? I'm like, I don't know. Peter's release. Didn't see that coming. See you, Herod. Uh, I mean, I had all kinds of things that I was thinking about as far as humorous titles for the sermon this morning. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, sometimes just read the Bible. Uh, God is not this stoic guy up there in the, in the heavens just like, oh, go ahead and mess up, you know, so he can smash you out. God loves us. He cares for us. He's given us his word so that we can know him and walk with him and uh, to know his will and his desires for us. And sometimes he just has a sense of humor. So I'm sitting there reading through this like, okay, it is the story of Peter's release. But then I got to thinking, well, I didn't see that coming. I, I mean, I'd make a good title, didn't see that coming. Or uh, at the very end, see you, Herod. That'd be a great title for a book, right? You know, God just knows what he's doing. And he's always in the background working even when you cannot see it. It's an amazing thing to consider that God knows the beginning from the end. Uh, it's just amazing. And sometimes we just get in our rut and we get in our routines and we just start doing our own thing. And we don't think about God's got a plan that he's working. If you just trust him. All things work together for our good when you love God enough to trust him with your life. And I know that through verse 28 or verse 29 is that he's going to conform you to the image of his son as he's doing this work in and through you. But I want to begin reading in that first section of Acts chapter 12, and then we'll start looking at the verse. You know, in fact, I want to read verses 1 through 5, I think it is, and then I want to just kind of flip out of there just for a moment. It says, Now about that time Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to harm them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. You know, as I'm thinking through this, you know, God is always in the background working. He does everything by his will. There's no coincidences, no accidents, no chances with God. I begin to read, you know, read about what God's intention for man is. He's doing a work in Peter's life. Um, not something that I, I, I'm certain Peter didn't wake up in the morning and say, it's just a good day to be arrested. 
It's a good day to just tick somebody off like Herod and just be thrown into jail. Everybody else sign up for that, right? I mean, we don't think about that kind of thing. Most of us get up, we do our thing. But, you know, this is just, just listen to this as I read this. I will bless Yahweh at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, even in the prison, even amidst difficulties, even amidst trying situations. God, I know you're in control. My soul will make its boast in Yahweh. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify Yahweh with me and let us exalt his name together. I inquired of Yahweh and he answered me and delivered me from all that I dread. I mean, can you imagine thinking about this? In the midst of my boasting and praising God, he says, I know that he is going to deliver me. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be humiliated. I mean, think about that. In the midst of struggle, their faces radiated. Verse 6, this poor man called out, and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear Yahweh, you his saints, for there is no want to those who fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who inquire of Yahweh shall not be in want of any good thing. Think about that. You should not be in want of any good thing. Isn't that awesome? Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of Yahweh. Who is the man who delights in life and loves many days that he may see good? Guard your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of Yahweh are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of Yahweh is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and Yahweh hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Yahweh is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the evils against the righteous, but Yahweh delivers him out of them all. <coughs> he keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Yahweh redeems the soul of his slaves and all those who take refuge in him will not be condemned. Psalm 34. What a blessed psalm to consider in the midst of trial and difficulty. But it comes from a heart who is determined, has already made up their mind that they're going to follow God and let God have freedom and reign in their lives. And he says, I just trust him so much that he knows what he's doing. He's going to do what's best for me. And I don't have to turn back from that. Isn't that awesome? If this was ever a picture of Psalm 34 that Peter was going through, this is it. I mean, think about this. Through, though God was at work, things were very difficult. Herod, according to verse 1, had a chip on his shoulder. I mean, this guy just wakes up with the idea that if you are part of the body of Christ, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, I'm going to do harm to you. Isn't that amazing? Oh, thank you, brother. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> he says, I, I mean, this guy just wakes up looking for those who would, that he can just make havoc for. And so he was bent on harming those who were part of the church. Notice how far, how far Herod took his anger. We see that right away in chapter 12. It says, now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to harm them. I mean, he just, I mean, he was already set out to do this. 
And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that it, what? Pleased the Jews. I mean, this, think about this over and over. I mean, remember in chapter 11, it was the Jews who said once again, as we were just reminded again, that, man, why, Peter, are you working with them dirty, rotten Gentiles? Why would you even give them their time? And he says what? If God is going to do a work, who am I to stop it? He says, I'm only doing what God has asked me to do. And they calm down and they start out about the work of the Lord again. And as soon as we turn the corner again, and here they're all upset and in a, in, a, in a rage again. And Herod notices that the Jews are happy that they're persecuting the followers of Jesus. And it pleased them, so we're just going to keep on doing it. Herod had Peter arrested and put in prison, according to verse 3. And Herod was hoping to make some kind of spectacle of him after this feast was over, the days of unleavened bread. So he sees him, puts him in prison, delivering him to the four squads of soldiers to guard him. I mean, think about this. Peter being guarded by four squads of soldiers. I think Herod might have been just a little bit afraid. I mean, can you think about it? I mean, what, I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking out loud. What was it about Peter that Herod was so afraid of that he had to have four guards, sets of guards to... To, 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 to watch over him. I think deep inside, Herod knew who Peter was representing. I think he knew deep inside what Peter was capable of doing with the power of God resting on him. But notice what was taking place on Peter's behalf. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. So as Peter was arrested, thrown into prison, the church was not idle. They were back praying. Doesn't that teach us something? That we need to be praying for each other? When someone's going through difficulty, the rest of us should be praying. And we do that, and I'm so thankful that we're a church that's been learning how to pray. But God knows what is taking place. God always knows what's taking place. And he says, now in the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. This is where that second title kind of comes in. Didn't see that coming. I mean, he's in there just sound asleep, sleeping like a baby. But God is at work in the background. His people are praying and God sends an angel. So just before Herod was able to do his own will, God begins to do his. So Peter's sound asleep between two guards, and he's bound with two sets of chains because one wasn't enough. So guards were posted at his door, keeping watch. Two verses come to my mind as I'm reading through this passage. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. This is the inheritance of the slaves of Yahweh, and their righteousness is from me, declares Yahweh. He says, no weapon that's formed against ye will stand. It doesn't matter that he was in the prison, bound with two sets of chains, guarded by four sets of soldiers. It did not matter what God was going to do his will. And it doesn't matter what the world may do to us. It doesn't matter what the world may think. It doesn't matter how the world can bind us if God is about to do His will. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30 says, There is no wisdom, there is no discernment, and there is no counsel against Yahweh. 
you think you're going to reason what God's going to do? You think you're going to have a better plan than what God can come up with? No. Can't happen. You have to wonder, like, who's in charge around here? <laughs> it certainly wasn't the soldiers. Because look what happens, verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Rise up quickly. And the chains fell off his hand. You know, when the angel of the Lord appeared in a bright light, the angel struck Peter, woke him up, <coughs> and Peter was instructed to rise. And immediately the chains fall off. Peter's told three things. Get your clothes, get your shoes, and get up and follow me. We're out of here. Just get your clothes, get your shoes, get your coat. Let's follow me. And he doesn't know exactly what's going on just yet. I mean, he's down in there. How many of you have ever been in a difficult situation? Something strange happens and you can't figure out what's going on. Anybody ever been there? I have. So God, what are you doing? Is this is this for real? Is this really happening? This is where Peter's at. Look at this. Verse 8. The angel said, Gird it yourself. Get your clothes on. Put your sandals. Get your shoes. And he did so. And he said, Wrap your garment around yourself. Grab your coat. Let's go. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know what was being done by the angel. It was real, but was thinking he was seeing a vision. He's like, Is this really real? Is this really happening? Wait, wait, wake me up. Is this, is this, what's going on here? Is this, is this just a vision? I mean, really, I'm still back in the prison wrapped up with two sets of chains being guarded. This can't be really happening. But, verse 10, And when they had passed the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Well, hold on a second. Peter wasn't really sure what was happening. He wasn't really sure if this was just a dream. But this angel leads him past the guards. I'm sure it's down a little corridor to the gate of the prison. The gate opens up by itself. They step out into the streets. And all of a sudden, the very person or angel that had let him out is all of a sudden gone. No, wait a minute. My protection just left me. I don't know what's happening. The, that, that angel thing that just guarded me out is gone. What, what, what do I do? What would you do? Run fast as you can. <laughs> I don't know. That'd probably be me. Uh, disguise yourself a little bit more. Borrow someone else's coat. Hide yourself. Wrap it around you. I don't know. What would you do? But guess what happens next? The angel disappears and I'm sure Peter's thinking, oh, great. But Peter now comes to his senses, according to verse 11. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now, truly I know that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Remember why Herod threw him in prison to begin with? He's going to hope that after the days of unleavened bread or the feast was over, he could pull them out and have a little bit of fun with them, make a spectacle out of them. Why? Because it pleased the Jews. I mean, the Jews had a beef with them. I mean, how dare you spend, you know, share this faith of ours to the Gentile people? 
they, they weren't too happy with Peter. But Herod was hoping to get some brownie points with the Jewish people. But oh boy, this is all messed up. There's a monkey wrench into my plans. But three things Peter comes to the conclusion of. Number one, the angel was sent by the Lord. How do we know that? When Peter came to himself, he says, now, I, now truly I know that the Lord has sent his angel. Peter knew that the Lord had sent his angel to him. Number two, he was rescued from the hand of Herod. He realized that God had just saved his life. And number three, he was going to disappoint the Jews in what they were expecting to take place, which only means what? He could likely expect more trouble. But Peter heads over to the house of Mary where many were gathered together for prayer. Now think about this. They all know Peter to be in the midst of the prison. They're back at Mary's house praying somehow that the will of God would take place in the life of Peter, that Peter, as according as we would all be praying, that what? He would be released, right? I mean, what's the sense of praying if you're not praying that he would be released? Because he was unjustly captured and put into prison, right? So he's praying. They're praying for Peter and for God's will to take place. And next thing you know, he's knocking on the door. Rhoda answers the door. Though she doesn't understand at first, she recognized the voice of Peter. And she's so excited, she doesn't even know what to do. She leaves him outside the gate. Runs back into the house. Hey, hey everybody, Peter's out at the gate. He's knocking on the gate. And they're like, oh, come on, right, right. No, that can't be. Look at verse 12. And when he realized it, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gate, the servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but she ran in and reported that Peter was standing in front of the gate. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. So they kept saying it is an angel or his angel. You see what happens here? They're back praying for Peter's release. They're on their knees and probably crying, oh, God, release Peter. He's, this is not fair. He hasn't done anything wrong. And he's down in the prison. God, please release him. And God releases him. And they don't believe it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, they're sitting there praying for it, and God did it, and they still don't believe it. It's kind of like after Jesus was crucified and he rose again and he's walking down the street and he meets these two people and they're upset because they killed Jesus. He said, don't you know what happened to this guy? Don't you know who he is? And they're talking to Jesus, but they just couldn't see it. Isn't it amazing how often we pray for something God's answered and we don't even see it? Wow. How many of us pray for God's blessing each and every day of our life? Raise your hand. I pray for it. I pray that God would bless my family. I pray that God would bless my children. I pray that God would bless our endeavors of our church and the ministries because it's His, and I want to see His hand of blessing upon it. I pray for these things, and yet I get so busy praying for these things, I don't see what God's doing. I think we're all guilty of that. God is at work right in front of us, and we can't see it because we're looking for something else. We're looking for God to work this way, not this way. 
I mean, I'm sure they're all waiting at Mary's house. God release them. And then they're waiting for the do 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 And everybody's wondering, and they gather at the town hall. Hey, just by way of announcement, we've decided to release Peter. They're wanting God to do it one way, and God has chosen to work another way, and they can't even see it. And I think God does that in our lives almost every day. He blesses us. He protects us. He provides for us. And we're asking God for his blessing. You're alive. You're breathing air. You can think and reason. You are blessed with a closet full of clothes and a pantry full of food. And we're praying, God, bless us. As we're driving in our nice car to go get more of those things. Oh, my goodness. This is what's taking place. But Peter tells them how he was let out of prison and tries to quiet them down. Because when they begin to realize that it's really Peter, look at this, verse 15, or I'm sorry, verse 16. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him and were astounded. Whoa! God answered prayer really quick, but we didn't expect this. Wow! Verse 17, but motioning them with his hand to be silent. Why? Because he knows that the guards are about to realize that he's gone. Don't create a commotion. Don't say, don't be too loud. They're going to come running. But then he left and went to another place. God's word tells us. Verse 18. Now when the day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. You think. I mean, they don't know what's going on. All they know is that Peter's gone and we don't know, remember what happened. I mean, it's almost like they got slipped something, right? I mean, they're out cold. They don't know what's happened. They come to, Peter's gone. They have no idea, but their soldiers are all stirred up. They have no idea where Peter is. And then there's Herod again. Herod begins to be really upset. Where's Peter? Well, we don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Don't you know I have plans for Peter? Don't you know that the Jews wanted us to play with him a little bit and to give him some trouble and harm him a little bit? Oh, he's upset. Why? Mainly because he can't please the Jews now. He can't give the Jews what they want. And here it orders the guards to be executed. I mean, he's so angry. Verse 20, now he was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And with one accord they came to him. And having won over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace because their country was fed by the king's country. And on the appointed day, Herod, having put in his loyal royal apparel, sitting on the judgment seat, began delivering an address to them. And the assembly kept crying out the voice of a god and not of a man. I mean, they just loved him because of his violence, because of his disturbance. I mean, he kills all the people. And the people are loving it. And they're almost raising Herod to the place of God. Because of his anger that is growing. Look, you see that in verse 20. Take your, leave your finger there just for a moment and turn back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. I want to read verses 10 through 15. It says, Behold, Lord Yahweh will come with strength, with His arm ruling for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His recompense before Him. Like a shepherd, He will shepherd His flock. In His arm, He will gather the lambs and carry them in His bosom. He will greatly lead the nursing ewes. 
Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and encompassed the heavens by a span and calculated the dust of the earth by a measure? Think about that. And weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has encompassed the spirit of Yahweh or his counselor has informed him? With whom did he take counsel, and who gave him understanding, and who taught him in the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and made him know the way of understanding? Who taught God anything? No one. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and they're counted as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up his coastlands like fine dust. You think you're going to be God? Herod? No. You're not God. Look at verse 17. All the nations are nothing before him. They are counted by him as non-existent and utterly formless. You think because the people are excited about a few of your actions that you're God? No. There's only one God. There's only one God. In Isaiah chapter 42 Verse 8, it says this, I am Yahweh, that is my name. Look what he says. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Then down verse 11, it says, Let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voices, the villages where Kedar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing aloud. Let them shout from joy from the tops of the mountains. There's only one God. Wow, think about that. One more verse, Malachi chapter 2, verse 2. It says, if you do not listen, and if you do not set it upon your heart to give honor to my name, says Yahweh of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already, because you are not setting it upon your heart. God just has to come in every once in a while and remind them that I'm the only God there is. Let's go back to verse 20 in our text, Acts chapter 12. Now he was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. As one accord came to them, and having won over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace because their country was fed by the king's country. So you got this group over here bowing down to this people because they were helping them with their food and their sustenance and their daily living. And on the appointed day, Herod, having put his on his royal apparel, and sitting on the judgment seat, began delivering an address to them. He's standing up, waxing eloquent, thinking he's something even though he's nothing. And the assembly kept crying out, The voice of God, not of man! The voice of God, not of man! And they're raising him to an ele- and elevating him to a place of Godhead. Verse 23, And immediately, immediately it says, An angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And how would you like to die this way? And he was eaten by worms as breathed his last. I don't know what you, but I just don't really want to die that way. I, I would just rather be like really quick and sudden one day if it's going to happen. I mean, I'd rather wait for the trumpet, right? I mean, I'd rather just go and be, you know, brought to heaven. But if I have to endure until he, you know, and he doesn't come in my lifetime, which I hope he does. But if he doesn't, I just don't want to like die, sit there and be die but in being eaten by worms, it just doesn't sound too fun. That's not how I want to go out. But he refused to give God the glory. 
And the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Here's my third title. As I was thinking about titles, see you, Herod. (laughs) Here's a title for the sermon, see you, Herod. God's word continues. And it begins to grow and to be multiplied. Let me ask you a question. Was it easy for believers during Herod's time, yes or no? No. Was Herod make it even more difficult to claim the name of Jesus, yes or no? Yes. Do you think there was fear amongst believers? Yes. Amidst all that, during that time of persecution, it says, the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, fulfilling their ministry that God had for them there, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. See, in the end, God's going to have his will and his way. He didn't promise an easy path. He didn't say things are just all going to be hunky-dory, going to go on our way and just love life. (laughs) He didn't say that. We have to know there's going to be struggle. I mean, if Peter, who was so bold before, has to go through it, why wouldn't we? In fact, didn't he say, yeah, all who are in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution? I believe if God tarries, we're going to go through it. You're going to have to stand up for what you believe. Many of us are going to see a day that we're going to have to choose what side you're on. But I'm promising you this. It may look difficult. It may look hard. It may be fearful. But God's word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And even though Peter was thrown into jail, God was in the background working his will in his way. People were praying. God was at work. And in the end, God took care of the enemy. And his word multiplied and prevailed. If God has for us to go through difficult circumstances, trying situations, things that we would not wake up in the morning and choose, then God has a reason. And it's our job not to question it, but to trust him. I know beyond a shadow of doubt, if we were to ask for a raise of hands, how many of you are going through some difficult times? No doubt, hands go up. Yeah, all over. But you have to know God is in the background. He doesn't make mistakes. He's never made one. Everything he does is for a purpose and for a reason. Even when when you think, hey, I'm doing what's right, why is this happening? I mean, I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm trying to be a witness, I'm trying to be kind to others, I'm trying to be a picture of Jesus. Why am I going through these struggles? Anybody ever felt that way? I'm trying to do everything I know to do that's right, and I'm still facing it. Why not? Being a Christian doesn't mean you're void of struggle. But I'll tell you this, being a Christian means I have somebody to go through it with me. And God's going to do His will in and through it. I don't know about you, but that's an encouragement to me. Herod looked like the enemy. And the people wanted to lift him up as a God. But there's only one. And he says, my will will prevail. God will work amidst the struggle. I don't know about you, but there's so many things here. We can look at this and put ourselves into the story. 
yes, in 2023, we don't have soldiers putting us in jail, but the struggles, the difficult situations, the trying circumstances, they're going to be there. And yet God is in control of all of it. He's in the background working, if you'll trust him. Lord, I pray for every one of us that are here today, Lord, that we would learn to trust you. Lord, Peter, in a moment of difficult situations and trying circumstances, lay fast asleep, bound with two chains and guards all around him. Lord, I can only imagine he was sleeping like a baby, knowing you're in control. And yet you do what he would never have dreamed of you doing. You basically came in, dropped the chains, and let him out of the prison. He knew that it was your angel that came. He knew it was you that had saved him. He knew it was you that would preserved him for a further life of ministry. He knew it was all you. And God, might we know that it's you that's working in our life. And might we sense when your spirit is leading. And might we respond with the right spirit and a spirit of an attitude of obedience. God, I pray that you work in all of our hearts this morning. And just for a moment as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm in some of those difficult situations. Things going through that I didn't choose. I'm trying to do what's right, but God is allowing some things. And I need to learn to trust Him, that He knows what He's doing, that He's in the background working, and that He's going to ultimately prevail. Maybe this morning God has challenged you to trust Him more, to have greater faith in what He is doing, even though it may be hard to see. Say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me this morning? Yes. Yes. In the front, in the back. Yes. In the sides. Yes. In the back. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what your trying situations are. All I know is that God is in control. He does not make mistakes. <coughs> Can I just challenge those of you who have lifted your hand to this moment? Say, God, I give you this difficult situation. He knows what it is, but say, God, I give you this struggle that I'm facing. And you listen. You name them. Tell God they're His. And that you're going to trust Him through it. Ask God to increase your faith, to give you greater trust. Ask God what He's wanting to teach you through this situation. God, what is it that you want to teach me? Give me greater trust. Give me greater faith. God, help me to see where you're at work through this difficult situation like Peter did. And to know that you're going to work your will, your way through it. God, help me to trust you. Just talk with God for a moment. Give it to him, regardless of what it is. There's a moment we could be like Peter and say, God, I'm just going to rest in you. Yeah, I'm in chains, I'm in a prison, but hey, that's all right. I'm going to sleep like a baby. You're in charge. You didn't see Peter devising a plan how to get out of prison. God already took care of that. We want to fight our way out of our difficulties when God is saying, trust me.
I'm going to work more hours to get the financial blessing. I'm going to see what I can do to fix my problem when God already has a plan and He just wants you to trust Him. Just talk with God. He'll hear you. with him for a minute. Once again, ask him to do what you can't do. Lord Jesus, as we come before you, as we close the service, God, we ask that you do a work in our hearts and our lives. Once again, as we asked in the beginning, Lord, across the auditorium, Lord, you showed us those through raising of their hands, through the nodding of their heads. There are many across this room, Lord, that are struggling through circumstances. Lord, help us to know you're at work. I pray, God, that you would show yourself strong. Lord God, that you would show them your presence through every situation. Lord, that your will would prevail, not our own that we would allow the chisel, the sculpting to take place so that we can be more like you through these difficult situations. Knowing that you're your work, knowing that your will is perfect, that your way is best and right, be with each one who raised their hand their heart towards you this morning. Lord, give them victory. Lord, may we know this once again and be reminded afresh and anew, Lord, of your love to us your care for us and that you're at work even though we can't see it at times. So Lord, we want to say that we love you and we trust you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.